tell you something about life. God gives us the victory. Always. You might go through a trial, but you're always going to come out victorious. Always. And you might go through things in life, but the only thing that will take you down is your attitude of mind between your ears. Because the strongholds of Satan, it says, are in the mind, in the imaginations, in your thinking. Get your own thinking and you go down. You walk out of faith into fear. You begin to look round and you see everything going down in the world and you say, well, everything's going down, what can I do? I'll tell you what you can do. You can believe in a miracle-working God. And you can put your trust in him or you can believe in what you see. And you can put your trust in that and perish. You can believe what your natural senses tell you. You can believe what everyone else tells you and perish. Or you can believe what God says. And you can believe in a miracle working God who though 10,000 fall at your side, you say, well... They might fall at my side, but it's not coming nigh me. I have a God who's faithful, who's real, and I can live in victory. I can make up my mind whether I live the life of a Christian in faith, or I live the life of a religious person with fears, and as soon as something goes wrong, I give in. Well, what can you do? That's the way it is. No, it's the way it is for everyone else, but it's not the way it is for you, because within you, you have the power of God that's able to overcome everything. That's the difference between a Christian and a religious person. The religious person looks at the circumstances and says, Ah, nothing you can do. The Christian looks and says, My God is well able. We sung a song about Daniel. Daniel ended up in a lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego ended up in a fiery furnace. The difference with them, they said, well look, God is well able to deliver us. If he doesn't deliver us, we're not going to bow to your gods. We're not going to bow to your ideas. We're going to believe our God. They found Christ in the furnace, didn't they? They came out without even the smell of the fire upon them. The only thing the fire did was burn the burn the bonds from off their hands can't hurt you why? because you're a Christian and you need to know what incarnation means you need to understand it and that's what I want to talk about and you need to write it down because there's scriptures you need to remember and then you can look at it and you'll find it's in the book good authorised version not that perversion. What you have to understand is all this idea of you know, prayer. You know, warfare prayer that Wagner talks about. Look, prayer is a relationship with God. That is what prayer is. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, Prayer is a relationship with God gaining strength and power from him. In other words, all prayer is directed Godward. I don't pray to the devil, I don't pray at the devil. I don't pray in any 
sense toward the devil. I'll tell you what I do. I tell the devil to clear off. It says resist the devil, he'll flee from you. He has no rights, he has no power, he has no authority. Jesus Christ took it from him. So when I pray, what am I doing? I'm communing with God that I might know his will and his purpose. That's the only purpose in prayer. Because Jesus made it very plain, when you pray, it's our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How do I know his will? Why? In communing with him. That's what prayer is. The only thing you need to know is what God wants you to do. How God wants you to live. God doesn't want you to poke your nose in everyone else's business. Mind your own business. That's not what it's about. There's a lot of people who have this idea that we kind of go into church, you come into God's presence, you sing a few songs, you make yourself emotionally stirred up, and then you walk out of his presence till the next time you come in. That isn't Christianity, that's heathenism. That's old covenant, not new covenant. The Holy Spirit lives within, God lives within, we have a resident God. We're in, we have God incarnate in our mortal flesh. God lives in us. We are sons of God. We've been born from above. We walk with him. We desire to please him and we do his will. And we speak his will. Now that is a Christian life. That's what it is. And if you want to know what produces that, first of all, it's knowing the integrity of the word of God. It's a revelation of God himself. The Bible is a revelation of God himself. It's not some book. Scripture is given by inspiration of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 16 and 17 says this. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. There is a purpose in scripture, all scripture. It's profitable to do something. There is no other book and no other teaching other than the word of God. I'm a believer in the book. If it's not in the book, I don't believe it. God has given us everything in his word that we might live according to that word. He reveals his nature, he reveals himself in the Bible. And the Bible is there and everything you need for life is in the book. You do not need someone to come and prophesy over you. You do not need someone to come and uh, give you guidance like a witch or a witch doctor. You don't need that. You have a Bible and it's a light unto our feet. It'll keep you in life. If you read this and you love this word, you have everything you need. If you don't read it and you don't bother with it, you're a fool.
Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1. Deuteronomy 8, verse 1, says this. All the commandments which I commanded thee this day shall you observe to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee and to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. You know, there was a certain sense in which his Two and a half million people. God says to them, leave Egypt. They leave Egypt with Moses. When they get in the wilderness, there's no food. And God, for 40 years, rains down manna. Six days. On the sixth day, double portion, so they can rest on the seventh. The whole time, for 40 years, he never once said they should fast. Hope you know that. Uh, Christian who think they should fast, they're living like the heathens. That came out of the Babylonish kingdoms. It never came out of Christianity. The only day the Jews ever fasted was on the Day of Atonement. But our Day of Atonement's past, isn't it? Jesus paid a full, sufficient sacrifice on Calvary. So, you know, when you get born again, that's it. Then you have... The word of life. Now you live by the word of God. If you think about it, the children of Israel relied on miracles every day to live. The miracle of God's provision. And it's amazing how Christians today don't live according to the miracle of God's provision. As soon as something gets tough in business, in work, I'll tell you what they do. They use their common sense. They, they move out of faith and they get accustomed to their own arm and their own strength and their own skills and they think that's sufficient. They forget that they're a son of God, they forget God's their father and they start believing they're their own provider. That's where you come unstuck. You've moved out of the realm of faith into the realm of self-preservation. And I've got news for you. God will humble you in that. And he'll teach you that you aren't as smart as you think. And that's what he said to the children of Israel. I wanted you to know that you can't provide for yourself. It's God who's your provider. You've got to realize you live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And there's too many people who in this time when the economy's in recession and recession hit this family, this um, country about, I don't know, six months ago. The recession started. And everything's, now you can turn around and say, well, how do I live? How do I survive? I'll tell you how you survive. You've got a God and God's your father. And you have the promises of God. In the midst of it all, God can keep you. 
Doesn't mean you won't go through trials. It just means you better see who you put your trust in. Do you know that, that there's a lot of people in the earth who end up bankrupt? I'll tell you how they do, because they'll never take advice. They're too smart by half. They know better than everyone. I've never met a failure who wasn't smarter than everyone else. So smart, that's why he failed. You meet a failing pastor, you can't tell him what's right because he knows what's right. He's so smart, that's why he fails. You meet someone who goes bankrupt, I tell you, you can't tell them anything, they're so smart. Anyone who's failing in life, it's because they're arrogant pigs. They're so smart, they know better. That's why they become failures. And God humbles people and he says, hey, it's about time you realize man lives by, not by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Time to live by faith. Don't live by sight. You live by faith. There's some people with a gift that whatever they do, they fail. It's their gift. Some people, they, they have an ability to fail. And they won't learn. It's not a virtue to be a failure. It shows you're stupid. That's it. Everyone wants to blame someone else. And it's amazing how bitter they get inside. It was never their fault. Look, you are what you are today because that's what you made yourself. But God can change everything. And that's a good thing about it. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus quoted it. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out the mouth of God. All right, doesn't matter what your circumstances are in your life today, who do you trust? Well, who do you trust? God. I want to find out God's counsel. I don't need man's. Man isn't that smart, but God's a good provider. Now unto him who's able to keep me from falling. I tell you, God's able to see me through. Man won't. No one's smart enough. Everyone thinks they're smart enough. And that's why God humbles them. That's why people end up in a mess, because they didn't want to learn. They're nothing worse than the unteachable person. A lot of people who are just plain unteachable. They will not do what they're told. In a multitude of counselors, there's wisdom. Some people, you, you can't tell them. I've often had people come and see me and they ask questions. And you know, all they want is the answer they want. They don't want to know the truth. They, they want the answer they want. And you know, whatever you say to them, they're not going to listen to you anyway. So what do I do? I answer them what they want to hear. Because they're going to do it, you might as well give them what they want. I do it in a simple way. I just say, well, what do you think? They tell me what they think. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you say, well, that's fine. And off they go. They're happy 
Much happier than if you tell them the truth because they're doing what they want to do. It brings disaster, but that's tough. If they were smart enough, they'd ask the right questions, but they're not because they don't really want to hear. So what's the point in telling them? That's why it's easy being a pastor. Whenever someone comes to you and starts, oh, well, what do you feel? Then you know exactly what they want. Fine. Just answer them according to their folly. That's what it says in the Bible. You always answer a fool according to their folly. Don't, don't. If you try and correct someone who doesn't want to be corrected, he just gets angry with you. Mind you, sometimes I try. I think I'll have a little mercy on them. So I tell them the truth. And then they get mad at me. And then you think, oh, well. They're still going to do what they want to do. Because they're stupid. You know, there's things you... If you want to be a winner, what do you do? Well, I'll tell you one thing you do. You find out winners and you, you get alongside them and learn from them. But you always want winners. And you know the best winner in life is a person who lives according to God's will. Who realizes that God is the answer to everything. And he doesn't take notice. He wants to know what God's will is for his life. Because what God's will is, is always going to end up in trouble. When things do go wrong, and they always will, Sod's law determines it. If it can go wrong, it will. As sooner or later in life, you're going to go through trials. You better make sure you've got God in your corner. Not crusty old pokey face. You know? I, I want God on my side. But I don't just want him on my side. I want him living within me. Not only do I want him living within me, but I want to realize that the battle's won already. You see... The Lord God doesn't have problems with poverty. Man does. In fact, God was so kind of economical, he just laid the streets of heaven with gold. Then he decked the foundations with fine jewels. I mean, God's not short of a bob or two. You might be. But our God is a wonderful God. (laughs) You know, where did he get it all from? just spoke it out of nothing hey he owns the cattle on a thousand hills what's he want that for I mean he's not going to eat it I was over in Bryce's Park the other night I was shooting rabbits shot 32 in a night you know and the badgers and foxes came to collect them very interesting but if you don't keep the rabbit population down, then they wreck all the trees and they dig up the football pitch. So it's nice to go out there with a light and shoot them. And, and while we were out there, we went in one field, you know, and the light, we had the light on, and out walks the most gorgeous stag. Beautiful. About five years old. Beautiful antlers. Temptation crossed my mind. I hadn't got, I'd only got my rifle, you know. I, I could have shot it, but if you wound it, terrible. And I wouldn't do that. If I'd had the high-powered rifle, I'd have shot it and had a nice lunch and 
then you'd see the stuffed head up in the hallway in um, prizes, which you will probably, because it's been back, you know. It's got a death wish. And if it hasn't, I've got a stomach wish. Venison's nice. And there's a herd of 600 of them wander through, if you, if you know. And, and, you know, you've got to cull them to protect your property and your trees. And um, that's the way it is. And if, you, if you're one of these people who doesn't like blood sports, well, uh, sorry for you. Um, I like hunting. I enjoy things. I like fishing. You know, all the things that God intended us to do. Did you know that? There's never... That, that when, when you stop enjoying those things... I went with Colin once, you know, and it was interesting. We went out hunting one night with a light, and Colin was... He had his rifle, and I tell you, he shot at one rabbit, and the rabbit just stayed still. Um, because he knew if he stayed still, he was safe. <laughs> if he ran, he might run into the bullet. <laughs> anyway, I got so irritated, he was trying to shoot this one rabbit, that in the end, I ran it over. I just ran it over. We were in a, in a field. Colin had used about seven shots, and the thing was waving and laughing. <laughs> It is true. <laughs> well, it might have been eight shots. I'm sorry. I, I didn't want to embarrass you that much. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. Yeah, yeah that's about all Colin would have, a head of a rabbit on his wall. <laughs> but I tell you, the stag's beautiful look great in the whole way of Bryce's part of it. Colossians 1 verse 13 says this who hath Jesus hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things to himself, I say, by him, whether they be in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. You know, the only way you're an enemy of God is in your mind. 
do understand the only war that's ever happening in the earth is in your mind. It's between your ears. You're alienated in your mind. See, the devil's artful. He knows the one vulnerable place in your being is in your mind, the way you think. He can sow any thought into your mind or he'll get other people to sow thoughts in your mind. And once a thought takes root in your mind that's wrong, it'll alienate you from God. And so his whole purpose is to attack your mind. Strongholds of Satan are in the mind. It's in your mind you get your doubts, your fears, your anxieties. It's in your mind people sow things. People suggest things. And once they suggest something, it begins to grow. They plant a seed in your mind, and before you know it, it's a tremendous seed of fear. They plant a thought, and they get hold of you. And your mind gets trapped by it. That's how you get alienated from God and from the will of God. It's all in the mind. But in your mind, it's surprising how compromise comes in. And it's not long before you believe all the lies. And the devil wants to take you away from God's word and get you to believe that really God, he isn't that faithful. Well, you know, I can make it on my own. Well, God wants me to use my common sense. Well, I'm able to succeed. I've got abilities. I've got skills. I can do it. And then you begin to believe you can do it. And then God, the only way he can draw attention is he suddenly stops the word of God flowing in your heart and you begin to realize you're on your own. And suddenly when the trials come, where do you turn? You haven't got strength anymore or power anymore with God. All you've got is yourself. And you're a sucker. Because you aren't going to do anything. Or sickness comes to your door and suddenly you realize there's a miracle working God but you've lost contact with him. And then you can't believe for a miracle because, well, everyone gets sick and, you know, well, what's the point and, you know... And then you go to, and your negativity grows. Well, it happens between your ears. You get alienated from God. Or you get someone in your office working for you. And they always put in the seed that's wrong. And you start listening to it. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Tonight, who are you living by? Do you believe it's your skill, your ability? Or do you know you're totally dependent on a living God? That's the difference between a Christian and a religious person. I meet a lot of religious people... They, they come to church, they'll believe in God in church, but when they get outside, they forget God's the source. They don't live by faith. The just shall live by faith. 
They don't live by the faith, cometh by hearing the word of God. They never hear the word of God except when they come to church. But that's for church, not for life. They forget. So when they go to work in the morning, God doesn't come into it. That compartment of their life is them. And it's not long before they discover. Any fool can prosper when things go well. The one who succeeds is the man who, when everything's going wrong around him, he stands. He's a successful one. And it's all dependent on who you have faith in, yourself or the living God. You've got to know the reality of the new creation. You've got to know it. You know, I find a lot of Christians, they don't know whether they're born again or not. They have this idea. I was born into the family of God. I was birthed by God into his family. It's called the new birth. And let me say something. And I want you to make a note of it. The new birth is not an experience. If you're looking for an experience of new birth, then you've left God long ago. New birth is not an experience. New birth is a fact. When I'm born again, I belong to the family of God. Fact. All that God says about a Christian is fact for me. Everything I read in the book, it's fact. Why is it fact? Because I was born. Born from above. It's not an experience, it's fact. It's reality. There's too many people who live by their experiences every day, and that's why they get in such a mess. They don't never know where they are. Because they don't live according to the book, they live according to some experience. So if they feel everything's going great, oh! And if everything's going badly, oh, what's gone wrong? You know, I don't know, how do I reach God? I'm not sure whether I'm born again or not. That's because you're just stupid. I know, I know, I'm born. I was born from above, fact. I know the day it happened, I know the second it happened. And everyone that's truly born knows that. But from that moment on, I was a child of God. Everything God says about his children applies to me. I have all the benefits of a new birth. I have all the benefits of his blessing, his love, his power. I have God as my father. It's fact. Doesn't matter what happens in life. That's a fact that can't change. There's a lot of Christians live by experience. Experience will let you down. You've got to know new creation reality. There's a legal side of it. In our spirit, we've been recreated. We've got the nature of God inside of us. When you're born again, you become a partaker of the divine nature. It's not a theory, it's fact. You've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. 
You don't belong in the devil's realm anymore. Fact. The devil has no rights anymore. Fact. You have the authority of God in your being. Fact. You don't have to be kicked around. You don't have to have mental torment. Fact. You have authority with man and with God. Fact. You're a son of God. You don't go, oh God. God's your father. You know. And it's all easy. John's Gospel, chapter 1, you'll find it there. Fact. Says it quite clearly. John 1, verse 12, But as many as received him, to them gave he what? Power. What to do? Become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Wasn't a decision I made, it wasn't something I did, it was something that God did in me. I was born from above. My whole life changed in a second. I became a son. And from that day on, some 35 years ago, 36 years ago, God filled me with the Holy Ghost. Bang! Fact! I became a son of God. That's it. Fact. It wasn't my will. It wasn't my decision. I didn't give my heart to Jesus. God sovereignly came and birthed me in. It's not by the will of man, nor the will of the flesh. And if you think it's your decision, you're not a Christian. And don't think you were brought up a Christian. You can't be a Christian until you're born again. And you can't be born again until you really know the exceeding sinfulness of sin and the total hopelessness of your life without Christ. If you've never known that, you're not a Christian, you're a heathen. That's a fact. You've got to be saved from your sin and from yourself. And you've got to be born from above by a sovereign work of God. And if that hasn't happened to you, you're not a Christian. You can't come into a Christian life by living in church. That doesn't make you a Christian. It might make you religious and a religious Pharisee, but it won't make you a Christian. My wife was brought up in a vicarage. Went to church all the time. But it didn't make her a Christian. When she was in her 20s and a social worker, she suddenly realized she was a sinner who needed a savior. Carolyn was brought up in church. Didn't make her a Christian. Went to university. Became a solicitor. Walked into a building. God convicted her of sin. She got born again. Peter went to university, played water polo, played in gold. Dirty player, told me. Got very physical. 
fact, he walked in one day and God met him. Born again. But when you're born again from heaven and it's God who does it and it's not your will and it's not your giving and it's not your doing, it's God who does it. I'll tell you what the fact is. You become a son of God and everything's changed. You become a new creation. If any man be in Christ Jesus, is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new and all things are of God. Fact. And if that hasn't happened to you, you're still on your way to hell. Doesn't matter how many times you go to church, doesn't matter how good you think you are, you're on your way to hell. You must be born again. Fact. Number four, you've got to know the reality of the righteousness, of our righteousness in Christ. Do you know, it's not a theory, it's a fact. Romans chapter 3, turn there, Romans chapter 3 verse 26. Romans chapter 3 verse 26. To declare, I say, at this time... His righteousness, that he might be just, and the justifier of him that believeth in Jesus. Who's the righteousness? It's his righteousness, not mine. He's my justifier. It's not me, it's him. I find so many people are trying to live up to a standard and think, if they can only get holy enough, if they can only... Well, you'll never make it. But the fact is, when you're born from above, you realize it's his righteousness is the only thing that avails. It's what he is, not what you are. That's fact. You'll find over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. Another fact. For he hath made him, that's Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We're made the righteousness of God in him. How? By him. Not by us, by him. Paul criticized the Pharisees. He said, you're going about to establish your own righteousness. You're foolish. You can never be a Christian. Only God in you can be a Christian. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Without that life of God inside of you, you're not going to make it. You're always going to fail. And there comes a time when you realize that you've got to live by faith. What God is in me is fact. It's his righteousness. It's his life. While you keep trying to aspire to it and attain to it, you're out of faith. You're living in sin. And you'll never make it. You've got to know the reality. Number five, you've got to know the reality of the indwelling. What's the reality of the indwelling? I'm a conqueror in every situation. I'm going to be a winner. God has made our bodies his home. He lives in me. That's he lives in my flesh. And you'll find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians 6. Verse 19 and 20. 
It's fact. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, and here he says, What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own, for you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Who owns your body? Who owns your spirit? God. You're the temple of God. You are not your own. You have no right to do with your life what you want. You don't own yourself anymore. Fact. You've been born again. You're a new creation. You belong to God. You have to totally give everything to him. And if you take your life back from him, you're a thief. That's a fact. 1 John, chapter 4, first epistle of John, chapter 4, verse 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. 1 John, chapter 5, verse 18. We know that whatsoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that's begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one doesn't touch him. That's why I know I'd never end up fighting the devil. The devil can't touch me, he can't touch you. Fact. Why you're a son of God. Devil has no right over your life, over your body, over your spirit. It belongs to God. And God doesn't give his possessions over to the devil. Never will. It's fact. Romans 8, verse 26. Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our weaknesses, for we know not what we ought to pray. But the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings that can't be uttered. You know, the only intercessor is the Holy Spirit. And you can't utter what the Holy Spirit prays within you. It's not utterable. I find too many people want to go and Pray for the world and pray for this and pray for that. No, get a relationship with God. Find out what his will is for your life and do it. Prayer's no problem. You've got the Holy Ghost living within. You've got to know the reality of our fellowship with the Father. It's one of the greatest assets if you're a joint heir in Christ. You need to know the fellowship. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9. God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. 1 John 1, verse 3 and 4. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. For if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. We have fellowship with God the Father. We have fellowship with Jesus. That is the life of a Christian. It's fact. And if you don't have that as fact every moment of every day, you're religious, but you're not a Christian. If you lose contact with God, I want to tell you what. You're just religious. 
A born-again person lives in fellowship with the Father and with the Son. He's called us individually. Every one of us has fellowship. You know what I find? I find people don't know God. You know what eternal life is? That we know God. That is eternal life. We know his nature. We know him. God wants to walk in us, live in us. It's so easy when you're born again and you have the incarnation of God in your body and in your spirit, you know God. Every moment of every day, you live in the fullness of it. If you don't live like that, you are not a Christian. You must be born again. You must become a new creation. Have fellowship with the Father, with his Son, Jesus Christ. It's so easy, the Christian life. You're born into it. It becomes just part of your nature. You're just part of the family. It's easy. Very, very easy. Fact. Mark 16, verse 17 and 18. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Why? We're sons of God. We have authority. If you sit down, they'll trample on you. If you sit back and say nothing and, oh, you know, I'm a Christian. Please don't hurt me. I'll tell you what they'll do. They'll walk all over you. Time to stand up. God lives in me. I'm the temple of the Holy Ghost. You touch me, you touch God. You watch out. The devil's down. I'm standing. I never went down because Jesus put him down. He's under my feet. And I'm not going to be pushed around. That's the life of faith. The life of fear is, oh, well, what can you do? We've got to fight. Doesn't matter the color of your skin, you're a child of God. You have a right. Doesn't matter where you were born, matters where you were born again. You were born into the family of God. Get the chip off your shoulder and your inferiority and stop kind of bemoaning your lot. The only reason you fail is because you're a failure. It's your attitude. Get your mind straightened out. I have a right. I'm a son of God. That's attitude. God sent us to lift people up. Not to tell us to put up with it. Christians shouldn't be the doormat. The devil's the doormat. You wipe your feet on him. Couldn't knock the, you couldn't knock the skin off a rice pudding, you idiot. Jesus already done it. He conquered the devil and every demon and principality and power. They're finished. We're alive in God. Fact. Luke 10, verse 18. Luke 10, verse 18. And he said unto them, I held but Satan as lightning fall from heaven, and behold... I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Now, 
how much power did he give them to walk on? All the power of the enemy. There is no enemy of yours. God hasn't given you the power to walk on it. Your mind. And the enemy in your mind will tell you, well, that's not so. And this is old covenant. This was before Calvary, Jesus gave him this authority. Jesus is God. The devil never, ever had any authority or ability to do anything on his own. Even when he wanted to deal with Job, he had to come and ask permission of God. When he wanted to accuse Joshua before the living God, he had to ask permission. Now he's been cast down out of heaven. The Bible says the accuser of the brethren's cast down. Can't get up to God. And I want to tell you, you've been given authority over all the power of the enemy. Don't have to go cowering or begging God and say, Oh God, you know, come and please do it. Hey, walk on the devil. Let him know. I remember years ago I was playing hockey, grass hockey. And I'd done my ankle in and so I had to play full back, left back. I couldn't move as quick. I was at college and it was this Kenyan lad. And he played in the, the Olympics, he played for Kenya. And the first time he came in flashy stick work, I just watched the ball, took it off him. As I went by, I flicked my ankle. Hurt. Someone hit your ankle with a hockey stick. So I just turned to him and I said, son, don't do that. The next time he came, I took the ball off him again and he, he caught my ankle again. I turned around and I said, I told you not to do that. I'll have you next time. Next time I took the ball off him, he did it again and I found him dangling on the end of my left arm. Feet right off the ground. The umpire raced over and kind of stopped me before I bopped him one. He deserved it. I tell you what happened. Next time I took the ball off him, I pushed it round and I went through him. I went straight through him. I used to play rugby. I went straight through him. I body checked him and then I went straight over the top of him. When he got in the shower afterwards, I want to tell you, he had stud marks on his chest. He retired to the wing. He learned a lesson. The devil's under our feet. God has given us power over all the power of the enemy. It's about time you realize what authority you have. You say, well, that's unkind. No, it preserved my ankle. He deserved it. I tell you what, he, no flashy stick work after that. He was on the wing, well away from me. You know, there's, you say, well, that's not very Christian. I wasn't very Christian at the time. In fact, I gave up the sport because it was got too, too much. My wife came one day, five people, three on their team, two on ours, were taken to hospital. One guy had 40 stitches. I thought, this is a battlefield. This is not right. It was in the Lancashire League, you know. It was a battle. Remember it with Edge Hill. But I tell you what, we won. And we had more people standing than they did by the end of the whistle, you know. 
<laughs> I find I can't stand effeminate people. God wants men. You're there to win. He says he's given you power over all the power of the enemy. That's why he chose fishermen. Hey, they went out there, they hauled in the nets. They were men. You know, you look at most of them. If you were a fisher of men, you couldn't bring in a sardine without falling over. God wants men. Hmm? Says we've got power over all the power of the enemy. Look at it. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you, notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. I'm a son of God. I've been born from above. Life. That's where I belong. And devil, you've got no rights. You've got no authority. The reality of it is, I know who I am. And half the problem with Christians is they don't know who they are. That's why they grovel about in failure. John 16, verse 23. Whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. You better make sure God's your Father, then whatever you ask him, he's going to give it you. No problem in prayer. You know what the will of Father is. You always live that way. You're in communion with Father. It's dead easy. Underestimating the work that God wrought in Christ is the sin of ignorance. And that's why most Christians, they live in things that are wrong. You know the only prayer I ever pray, when you, you look out at the world, the only prayer I ever pray, and it's this one, you'll find it over in Matthew 9, verse 37, 38. Jesus said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labor is uh, few. Pray you therefore the Lord of the harvest, he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Do you know, the only thing we need is people who go out and be faithful to preach the gospel. Doesn't say pray against devils and demons. He said you just pray that God will send faithful witnesses out. And every one of you should be a faithful witness in your job, in the place you go, wherever you are, you should be a faithful witness to Jesus Christ. You'll find over in John 4, verse 34, Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then that cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. They are white, already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto eternal life that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth, another reapeth. I sent you to reap, that wherein you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and you're entered into their labors. Who labored? Why, the prophets of old. They labored. They never saw the promise. We see the promise. Happened at Calvary. The Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world came paid the price for my sin and your sin. 
He's conquered the devil and he says, now's the time for harvest. When you look out, don't tell me that the people don't want to know about God. They want hope. They want an answer. And we have the answer. Jesus lives in us. We have the answer to everything in life. It's easy. First thing you need to know is who you are. I'm a son of God. I have authority. All my enemies are under my feet. All the power of the enemy, Satan's under your feet. It's not an experience, it's a fact. You've been born again. You're not your own. Hey, you look at things in your business and say they're going wrong. Isn't it about time you live by faith? Stop putting your trust in man and in yourself and start putting your trust in God. Isn't it about time you realize who's the source of all things? It's God who is. He's more capable. If 10,000 fall at my side, it's not coming near me. Doesn't matter what the world says. Matters what my God says. Doesn't matter what Rocky II experienced. Matters what a Christian, a son of God experiences. I'm alive in him. He lives in me. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. He owns my body. He owns my spirit. That's fact. I know who I am. I know my authority in God. Devil's in trouble. He's the one who's got the problem, not me. So I could say to that pastor and his wife, the meal, you get out there and you fight. I said, you give the devil the trouble. He, he shouldn't be putting things on you. You put it on him. Don't you back down. You have a right to be heard. You have a right to live. You're a Christian. I'm born again. Grow up. I don't feel. God didn't ask you to feel. Does it mean we go through trials? Yes, sure you go through trials. But even if you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you can feel no evil because God's with you. And I'll tell you what, you walk through and come out the other side and laugh at the whole thing. You've got the light of life in you. Sure. You can't blame the devil for trying to lie to you. You blame yourself if you believe him. Fear's the thing he tries to work in your life. Oh, if you do this, what this might happen. If you do that, that might happen. If you do, yeah, but it might not. Live in fear. Oh, you know, I, I don't know that I could do that. Well, then... Don't call yourself a Christian. Clear off. I'm alive in God. That's Christianity. That's what you are. That's incarnation. God in you. 
Do you think the creator of heaven and earth who lives in you is incapable of dealing with things? Do you think he can't open a way where there is no way? If he can feed two and a half million people, what's wrong with your stupid bank account? And I tell you, he never even got a loan from a building society to do it. He just rained down the food from heaven. God can do anything. Why, he had a prophet and he sent the ravens to feed him. Don't you believe in miracles? Well, don't you? Oh, well, you don't understand, you know. But I've got to be a realist. Trouble is, you are a realist. You trust in yourself and circumstances instead of trusting in God. You're a heathen. My God is able to deliver from the fire. How? I don't know how he'll do it, but I know he always will because we're more than conquerors and he always gives us a victory. Simple as that. Or you can live in your poverty and you can plead for it. And you can tell me, oh, you don't understand. Well, I don't understand why you're so stupid. Guess it's your gift. There's a lot of people in life who just are fools. God wants us to be wise. If you're born again, everything God said has happened. You are a son. You have authority. You've got authority over all the power of the enemy. No enemy stand against you. God lives in you. Devil's in trouble. That's called Christianity. It's all in your mind. Between your ears, your problem. Live by faith. Was that plain enough for you? Stand up. Put your hand on your chest. I want you to open your mouth and say this. I have power over all the power of the enemy. I'm a son of God. I belong to him. My body, my spirit belongs to him. I am what God says I am. I'm more than a conqueror. Nothing can stand in my way. God lives in me. I'm alive in him. I'm a son. God's my father. And the devil better watch out. And everyone else who wants to stand against me. They're going to be in trouble. He's given me authority over all the powers of the enemy. And I'm going to take it and use it. And live in victory.
Amen? That's, that's Christian. And don't feel sorry for the Kenyan. He, he no business to hit my ankle. Say, well, that was cruel of you. No, he learned a lesson. He went in his place. Shouldn't have hit my ankle. You know, there's sometimes you're so humanistic, you don't realize we fight the good fight of faith. God wants us to be fighters. Fight the good fight of faith. What does that mean? You take hold of faith and you live as a son. Take hold of circumstances and tell the circumstances you're going to change. Why God's on my side? That's the reason. Lift your hands up. Father, I just pray for these dear ones. Lord, let your word reach unto them in faith, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.